they were doing like six, seven, eight rehearsals. And as a new director, don't you just killed like half your time that you really need to be doing something else. Hi, and welcome to Best in Fest. I'm Leslie Lepage, the director of the La Femme International Film Festival, and this is a podcast for people who are interested in advancing their career in TV and film and learning the dirty little secrets of Hollywood. Today, I am super, super excited. You know, I've known this gentleman that we have on for a while, and I've gotten a lot of DMs from people really not understanding what an AD does on the film, really how to make the best use of an assistant director. And so I've got today Jacob Richinski as my guest, and he is awesome. He um, has done over 20 productions in LA. He's got uh, and went to the Los Angeles uh, Film School and is a graduate of that. And he has and primarily worked as a first AD and a UPM with uh, projects going on uh, 10K uh, to over a million dollars, working on commercials, music videos, shorts, TVs, documentaries, and features. So he's got a lot of information that I think our listening audience would be happy to have. So, Jake, what the heck is a first ad what's the what's what is the purpose of having a first ad on the set because a lot of filmmakers have them but they don't know how to use you guys correctly well i i think there's three main things that a first ad really encompasses uh that's your safety um and that's that's a that's a huge one um your schedule so to figure out what you're going to do day to day and then to do um, your time for your day to make sure that you, you make your day and you don't, you know, lose it because, you know, you're not on time. And then there's, you know, there's a few other couple things in there, too. Um, just like, you know, making sure everyone's happy on set. So you got a good workflow. So everything, you know, stays, you know, um, yeah, good workflow. I guess that's the right way. So when somebody, when a filmmaker hires a first AD, and let's say it's a first-time filmmaker, second, third time, you know, still in that new phase of really working on a more professional set than a student set where everyone's doing everything, um, what's the first thing that you like to do with your filmmaker? Do Do you take the script? Do you walk them through? Do you have a meeting? Do you set up the schedule what is your procedure when you're working with the filmmakers you know every film is a little different and how i get jobs is a little different it seems like so i don't really have like a specific now i know i have certain things that like you know i'll get the script you know and then i'll ask like like some some basic questions like how many days do you want to film uh how many locations, how many actors. Uh, and then there's just pay in general. Like, what is it that you're, you know, what you're paying? So we start negotiating, you know, what I'm going to make on set also. And then, you know, prep days. Um, see what else? What's in the beginning? Um, whether I'm getting any prep days at all. Or is it we don't have the budget, we just have what we can do to start you off and, you know, for production. And, um but yeah, and then uh, just really from there, it's just really just reading the script and then 
Well, I read it twice. I read it one for sort of pleasure and not really breaking it down just so I can get like the overall sense of it. And then I like to do a hard copy breakdown of the script. And that's when I start going into like how many pages is it? And, you know, it's all one eighth page or your, your script is broken down by eighths of a page. So eight of them. And then, yeah. And then you start breaking your scenes down and then figuring out what's in one. And so when you're breaking down the script for the um, filmmaker and you're setting it up, are you asking those types of questions on, you know, how many days you feel, uh, sorry, how many pages you feel you can shoot in a day? Um, Or are you taking it from, listen, we only have uh, 10 days worth of shooting money to get this thing done and breaking it down that way how are you working with your filmmaker on getting those questions answered they i ask how many days can you shoot for they tell me and then that's when i work my magic um so pages per day really depend like i did a feature one time for in five days it was like 16 pages a day it was ridiculous now lucky it was all in one like apartment and in like three rooms, like the front room, the kitchen, and then a bedroom. So it was, it was easy in that way, and you know a few. But uh, yeah, really, it's just however many days that they can because they know their budget. Whether it's, you know, it's we only have two grand, and we can only have you know seven days, and nobody's getting paid, or which I mean it it happens sometimes, but uh, um, or it's a million dollars and everybody's getting paid, and we can shoot for twenty one days and. Yeah, so, and then it depends all too is like how many pages your script is. If it's like the normal like 90-some pages, um, yeah, I mean, I would love to have like four pages a day and then let a director, you know, be able to shoot all the different kind of shots that he wants and with the DP and they can get these beautiful kind of things. But when, you know, when you tell me you only have a budget for, say, 10 days, then that's when I'm like, cool, I will set you up a schedule for 10 days. And then your shot list is going to have to be according. Because when you start getting into like 10 page days, you don't get to have these beautiful dolly shots that, you know, and all these different crazy things because you don't have an hour to spend. But uh, so, yeah, so I just uh, so anyways, I they tell me how many days um, I break the script down. And then I start scheduling it. I, I do ask like certain questions like, um, like, uh, oh my gosh, sorry. I just had a lot, train of thought. So I, I got so many things going on in the brain. Sorry. Um, so yeah, so there's lots of things that I do for when I start looking at a script. And that's just um, if, if the locations are in the same spot. So then that's great. Then I try to schedule it like if it's Joe's house. I try to keep it, you know, a physical location um, and then and then deal with the, like the actors for the day accordingly. Um, but then there's some shoots where I've had to like do a schedule around just the actors and it throws everything off because then you're jumping to all these different locations because you're actor. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's just it's every shoot's different for how I, I have to schedule things because, I mean, just like there's one that just happened now and. And all of a sudden, like an actor said, oh, something came up. I can't shoot. And you're like, oh, but you're in five scenes tomorrow. And then you got to all of a sudden 
try to figure out what you're going to do. Once you have the schedule broken down and, uh, and you've now provided that, are you working with the director to create that shot list? Because a lot of new directors don't know how to do a shot list. So if they don't, are you helping them out with this or are you suggesting or what is your preference on minimum shots on a shot list that is necessary if the director doesn't know how to do this? Well, I mean, anytime you, I mean, there's really two different shots that are mandatory and that's sort of a wide and then sort of your coverage. And then after that, any kind of inserts or whatever are, are great. So I, I've done some where I had this one director. She's amazing at dealing with her um, actors and sort of like art department and stuff. And then when it comes to like doing a shot list, she's like, Jake, I this is not my bag. Can you help me? And we went through the whole script and figured out like all her shots to make it really work. So, uh, and I mean, I've done like three projects with her. And, um, so yeah. And then I've had some where they don't do any shot list and they're like, I'm just going off the hip and I'll just figure out what I'm going to do when we start shooting. And then you just want to sort of pull your hair out because you're just like, Oh my goodness. We like, I love you so much, but I'm going to choke you. Well, not really. Maybe I shouldn't say that. <laughs> but, um, yeah, like, no, you should never just go off the hip and just like, oh, we're going to figure it out as we go. That is a horrible, horrible thing. For anybody that's directing, if you're just going to go just like, I'm going to figure it out in the day, you're going to run into not being able to do your scenes because you're going to have, you're going to be thinking about it and you're going to be burning your daylight. And then next thing you know, you're going to get to your end of your day. You're like, oh, but I could have had all these shots. And like, well, that's why you got to do some prep work. So, yeah, I, um, you know, I, I've had directors that were great and gave me this huge shot list uh, somewhere I've, I've had to help them and then pretty much done it myself, which is no big deal. I mean, it's, it's sort of your job. I mean, but that's what that's one. Yeah, that's one way of the directors working with you as an AD is is having them and saying and being honest enough to go. I don't know how to do a shot list. Help me out. As opposed to coming on set with the pretense of I'm just going to shoot, you know, feel it, you know, as I go along, which is always a train wreck especially when you're trying to get your days, your day count, your shots that you need, your coverage and and plot forward on the amount of days and times you have to shoot. Cuz inevitably somebody's going to come back for a reshoot because they didn't get everything that they needed because it wasn't spelled out. Yeah, and and I'll be honest with you, um if I was a director and I was new, I would not come to my AD for a shot list. And the reason I now afterwards you can, you know, ask, but to be honest with you, I would go to your DP for your shot list. And that's because your DP is really going to be the one that's shooting those things and getting them. And he's so you can like a job as an AD, you're not really creative in the world of making the film. Your job is to make it happen for everyone. And but you're not really I'm not saying that ADs aren't creative, but your job is to you're more there for the production side to make your make your day happen. 
and you got so many other things. Doesn't mean you can't be creative on like how to do fixes or even how to help a director or the DP, whatever. But really, it's it should be between your director and your DP that's doing your shot list, because your DP is really the one that's really doing it. So you and you know maybe your DP can tell me like, oh, we can do this kind of shot and this kind of shot and this and and so yeah. So I would always suggest your director, if anything, getting with your DP and then. If your DP's like, oh, I don't then then maybe all three of you getting together. Because it's really, you know, your shot your shot list is really something that your director and your DP are all about. Well, that's true. But I know a lot of also up-and-coming DPs that don't know how to do a shot list either. So somebody, you know, has got to facilitate that. They may say, oh, yeah, I've got it all planned out in my head, but they don't like to put it down on paper. And I think that's because... They feel putting it down on paper restricts them somehow uh, from the creative entity, and I and I think that that's a it's really a, a warped perspective. The putting it down on the putting it down on paper allows you to be creative because it 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 yes because you've detailed everything out, and then when you're shooting it, you discover wow I can get this extra cool shot. Because I've gotten all my coverage, it gives you that ability to fly. And I've done it with multiple directors, too. Um, but, yeah, when you start actually breaking down, like, if you have your script in front of you, I, you know, I figure out, like, what shots I need for wides and, like, and inserts and close-ups. And, yeah, I, I mean, it's when you start really breaking your your script down for shotless-wise, you find you can have become more creative because there's stuff that like if you're just going off the hip you're gonna forget stuff or like think like oh man like it'll be the next day and you're like oh i could have done this this and this and, oh but if you're down before your you know the shoot ever happens or your production starts and you start you know really figuring out what you can do you're gonna find that you're gonna have more you'll be able to get more stuff in there yeah and instead of like missing like that that cool maybe insert or you know, maybe that cool, you know, the, the, what's the one shot? The, the one right there at the eyes. Now I can't even think of the cowboy shot. Yeah. You know, so, so yeah. Or, you know, maybe some cool, like, you know, extreme wide where it's, you know, whatever, like the, I don't know, who knows what, you know, there's so many different options for different shots that you can do. Or a dolly or a jib or drone or who knows. Right. Right. Especially with today's technology. Um, after working with you on set, as the days are progressing forward, how do you like to um, communicate to the directors? Or, or let me say, what is the best way the young filmmakers can really work with that AD on set on pushing their days forward? So once you hash out like your film and your schedule and your shot list, the best thing to do for an AD and a director is to, it can be over the phone or whatever, however you want, but to really like sit down and get, it's better to get a feel for each other, especially for an AD to get a feel for their director um, beforehand instead of going on set the first day and you're just like, whoa, this director is, or vice versa, you know, the director coming in and be like, wait, the AD is doing all this stuff. Like, wait, why is he doing all this? Like, I don't get it. Like, is he supposed to be doing it? Like how, like, you know, 
Is he really, should he be telling everyone to, hey, I need you to go do this, this, and we're about to do this? You know, like, is that too much? Or So, yeah, so figuring out um, what you're going to do on set is, yeah, is, is a must. Especially if you want to have a wor- good working condition. Because there's times where, like, some directors even, like, the one question I always ask a director is, do you want me to do action or not? Because I've, I've had some that... Like, no, you're doing all the cadence, you know, like real camera, real sound, yada, yada. Just just do action. That's fine. I'll, I'll just do cut, you know. And then I have some that just like, no, I, I'll, I'll do it. So, yeah. So, I mean, and that's that's like one of those things of like figuring out each other. And then, you know, and then getting to know like, you know, uh, letting your director like know like, okay, so we're going to do a blocking one first. Like this is how... You know, you should be talking like. Well, let's talk, let's talk about the running of the set. Let's yeah. talk about the running of the set. What is and yeah. the way it should be <laughs> to to the way that some people, yeah, you know, some train wrecks that don't necessarily do it. But what's the way it should be? How does how should it go on set? Yeah. Uh, wow. There's it. Like I wish. Yeah, so how it should go in a in a perfect world is. All your actors should be off script, right? Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I can already tell that you've got a story for that one. I have multiple stories. No, <laughs> actors are great. I mean, we all come in different flavors. Uh, we all come in different flavors. Yeah. So Okay, so how should it go? There, you should actors have a offset. Off book, off book, yep. Yeah, and then so that way then you come in um, – and sometimes they're not. Some, who knows what happens? But uh, you come in, you do a block, and that allows your art department and your camera and grip electrics to see what's going on. It's not really a rehearsal; but it's a blocking rehearsal. So it's primarily just like where everyone's going to be at, right? And then once that happens, and you don't even have to rehearse, you can just be like, "Okay, cool, blah da da." I see these lines, and I come over here, and this is where I'm going to be stepping. This is where I'm going to be, and this is where I'm going to be. And then actors and the director can bounce and go do whatever they – they can go do a rehearsal right then and there, like go off on the side and just sort of run lines. And then that's – now your art department and your DP knows where everyone's going to be at. So they can start really fine-tuning like their lights and any kind of art department stuff that needs to happen. And then when they're done, then I will have uh, you know the director and – um, you know, come back and he'll, you know, bless it, you know, like, yeah, I like it. This is, you know, what I like. And then, you know, the actors can come back and if they want to do like a little rehearsal now that they know where they're going to be at, they can do one rehearsal if that's what they want to do. Or if not, let's start shooting. And if for any new directors out there, what's going to kill you? And this just happened to a friend of mine. And I was on set to help her because she's a new first AD. So I sort of became her second to sort of like help her along on on set. But like they were doing like six, seven, eight rehearsals. And as a new director, don't you just killed like half your time that you really need to be doing something else. Like, don't get me wrong. Rehearsals, like if you got like a hard like scene that, you know, you may need like do one, do one rehearsal. And if there's nothing like huge, like, oh my gosh, we have to rearrange it, 
like like start filming like why don't like you never like just you know and if there if there has to be adjustments then you know if it's not huge ones then just yeah just start filming like um there's no reason to do like eight rehearsals and then do seven takes that's really that's really 15 takes right there you know that's so yeah um and it doesn't mean that like if if like there's a hard or like maybe there's just something going on like you don't obviously you want to get your scene right or you know that shot right absolutely but you know if, if and now we're talking perfect world well also i think you know the the weight of rehearsal has has been skipped over uh, a lot of times in the young filmmakers the new filmmakers first time second time filmmakers uh, especially in the non-union world where they could actually get the actors on a zoom uh, and rehearse them really rehearse them on these more challenging scenes so that when you come to set you are ready to go and that uh, a, a lot of the time I notice that falls out they don't even think about doing that now in a union shoot it's a whole different ballpark because you have to pay for that and uh, you know and even if it's a zoom you still have to pay for the actor's time and so that might be a little bit more limiting but in the non-union world of what a lot of these filmmakers are shooting you know, getting the access to and rehearse with these actors is is really possible, so they don't have to waste set time rehearsing, and they can go. and Do you and do you believe in in maybe suggesting to the filmmakers that they shoot everything? I mean, <laughs> and shoot those rehearsals. Well, here's the thing that's great too is we're not in the day and age of film anymore. We're in the day of digital. So it doesn't matter. Like you're not wasting money. You're wasting time and money by not recording your um, rehearsals or just, just going for it. Um, where back, you know, 30 years ago when they were doing film, you start recording, you're wasting money. Because, you know, if that if that take is garbage, then that's, that's money out the door because it's, you know, physical. Um, and then, yeah. And then the other thing, too, is especially if you have, especially in, and, and it happens for film and movies, is if you can ever have like a table read, you know, have one of those, too. Um, and that's a great thing to do. If you if you have you know and a lot of new new filmmakers don't even do that they they kind of gloss over that I think they're just with the mentality of oh I'm gonna catch that lightning in a bottle on set and they don't understand that this has to be practiced you have to put in the effort in pre production so that it materializes as lightning in the bottle when you get on set I mean a table read is great because you can as a director and well even as an AD. Um, you can start to see how your director um, talks to your actors. And if, you know, if the director takes a really t long time, then your AD can like, okay, I know how he is now. So I can, you know, I let him go for a little bit and then I'd be like, hey, okay, we got to we gotta start shooting. Um, and then you can also start figuring out how your actors are. Um, but then it all, I mean, and as a director, you can start seeing how like your performance is going to be played out at a table read. Um, so that way it even gives you like one more shot. So that way when you're, 
you're coming into your scene, you're like, okay, I remember my table read, so now I'm good. And then even like, you know, once you do that, after that blocking, you can go off the side and you're already getting like another rehearsal as you go over lines with them. You know, if it's even going to take that long. Sometimes it's just as simple as just like, okay, cool. It took two minutes and now let's go. Because your, your camera department or your art may be already sort of ready. Um, yeah. But yeah, so there's no, there's no problems, you know, filming as soon as you can. Um, especially mm -hmm. if that filming those rehearsals. Yeah. I mean, you might as well just start, just start filming, you know? Um, so you do a rehearsal, which is great, you know, cause it'll give them, you can really figure out the lines and how long or where you need to really do your lines, you know, in any kind of movement if you're doing it. And then, um, yeah. And then you can start shooting. Now some scenes are, so there's also exceptions to some scenes like, if they're stunts, of course, you want to do as many rehearsals on a stunt as you can to get it perfected. Because on some stunts, you're only going to get it once. So yeah, if you need to do a rehearsal 10 times because you're only going to get one take, take it. Because, you know, once you get somebody all bloody or whatever, like you only have so many clothes that you're going to be able to change into or so much blood on set for them and you know, sometimes blood will stain a person a little bit, you know, not that it doesn't wash off later, but I mean, you, you know, there's only so much blood you can put on someone before you can, you know, the little red marks or whatever starts showing up. So, yeah, so there are some exceptions that are out there that you want to, you know, rehearse as much to get, you know, it perfected and then do. Um, and then two, you know, uh, on for an AD, speaking of stunts, um safety wise like yeah let's talk about that <laughs> yeah uh safety oh, man this is such a touchy subject because there's so many things that have gone wrong in the years and we have a current you know situation in entertainment happening right now where a firearm was mishandled and a live bullet was put in so how do you deal with firearms on set? What is the procedure of safety? I know for me, if there are firearms on set, there's only two people that get to touch that weapon, and that's your armor and your talent. Um, no one should be, no art department, um, director, AD, it doesn't matter. You should be putting your hands on the weapon because at the point in time that you do, it loses safety because you don't know what that person has done to it. Um, not that anyone I think is going to try to do like bad stuff, but like there's just no like maybe they cocked it or something, and then also, there's no account. Yeah, there's no accountability. Yeah, to it. there's yeah. Um, so really, and your your actor as soon as they're done with it, they need to go right to the armor and give it to them. Not okay, I'm going to give it to my first AD or the PA or whoever, and then they can do whatever. And then it gets put on, you know, a table, and next thing you know, who knows what can happen. And then someone gets shot, and it's a horrible thing. Because all it takes is, you know, the two seconds for the people that should be touching it to do it and they're handling it. And and I don't, I don't, I mean, I know stuff that happened on set, but I don't know enough for me to even make any comments with the, 
the shooting a few months ago. Um, I know the all I know is the first AD should have never given it to Alex or Alec. Yeah, Alec Mama. He should have never given that. That should have been yeah. Um, but then you know that's it's, it's yeah. That's what occurred. Yeah, that's what occurred, and there was a loss, um, which our heart goes out to for that for that loss. So I blame the armor for one letting anyone touch his weapons, and then I I blame that first AD because he should have known better. Safety is one hundred percent one of his biggest things. Or well, I say he, but I mean in any first AD. Um, yeah, I mean you should never. There's never a time on set that safety shouldn't be your core, one of your core things that you're. And if that's the case, then people will not get hurt like that. I mean stunts. If you're a stunt person, you know that there's a level of, you know, or there's a chance that you're going to get hurt, obviously, yeah. But for something like that where it's just an actor that should have a blank gun and he's shooting, yeah. But, uh, so, yeah, so anyways, yeah. But those things won't happen. Let's move further into um, safety on set. Now that COVID um, is part, kind of part of our life and entertainment, there's a whole series of protocols that have to be adhered to on sets due to COVID, some more stringent than others, depending on who's facilitating. Um, whose real responsibility, other than the COVID officer um, on set, is it the first AD working with the COVID officer to facilitate those protocols? And what are the protocols? And I know the protocols are always in flux from week to week. Um, on the yeah, on the extension of of what needs to be done. But what have you found to be like the best uh, protocol that you consistently use? And I know that you're also a COVID officer as well. Yeah, well, I mean, probably so I know what I need to do to make everything, you know, safe or whatever. So yeah, um, so everyone should be wearing a mask um, for one thing. Uh, your actors and there's never time that your director should be taken off his. Um, now your actors on set should have them on unless they're getting, you know, their makeup and hair and all that stuff done, obviously. And maybe even wardrobe is they're putting their stuff on. But uh, the only time actors should be taking their masks off uh, right before you start shooting and then right after cut. And then other than that, everyone should always have their mask on. Um, when you're inside... You really want to make sure that you're, you know, six feet apart or as much as possible, of course. I mean, it's harder to do when you're, like, on set and you're the camera guy and your DP is right there or, you know, whatever. So, sure, there's it's, it's hard for some jobs to really be so far apart from each other. But, yeah, um, and then, I mean, that's really it. And then six feet. And then um, if you're outside, like... I know that some people take their masks off if they're like 10 feet apart from each other, and that's fine. Um, and that's that's allowed if you're outside, um, as long as you're like in place. If you're walking around and doing stuff, you should have your mask on. But if you're taking like a smoke break or a water break, you can be 10 feet away from each other. And, you know, and then when you're done, put your mask back on. Because I, I've actually been on uh, a TV show. And, you know, we started having, you know, COVID problems. And then, you know, and then, uh, and it wasn't just us. I mean, we were pretty good. But, I mean, 
even the the six months I was there, there was only like three people that got COVID. So we were really on top of it. But the other couple of shows, yeah, there were shows around us that got cut, that got shut down for like 15 days because like the main cast, the director and the DP all got COVID and then you're done. You got to wait, uh, you know, the timeline. I think people with the ever-changing COVID situation uh, in the state of California, they, you know, look at this and they say, oh, well, you know, we're released. Uh, you know, when you're walking outside, you don't need to have your masks on. But filming is a total different animal. And if you're dealing with unions, they have certain mandated COVID protocol that you have to follow. Uh, which is what Jake is is stating. And then there's the non-union, right, films. And if they're good, they should be following those union COVID protocols and making sure that everyone is masked up. And, and um, I know that also I'm seeing a lot of TV and film union work um, mandating that if the actors don't have vaccinations, they won't even hire them. They have to get. They have to get, or they'll hire them, but they have to get their shots in order to go on set. Like it, they have to be vaccinated to go on set. Have you s- noticed more of that? I mean, it's it's more like it's been like uh, highly recommended, but no one has been like you have to or forget it. Now it doesn't mean doesn't mean that on especially non union ones that people will be like, hey, are you vaccinated? you know, for crew or for cast. And if they say no, it's like, oh, okay, we'll, we'll get back to you. And then they'll ask, you know, the next person, say actor-wise, and they say yes, and then that's who gets the job. Um, because it's, you know, it's... People have their views on, you know, the whole COVID thing, and I'm not going to go into that, but it is it is a real thing. I've had losses um, with friends and family, and, you know, it's better to be safe and somewhat protected versus just out there risking everything. Because I've had some, you know, some really great friends that have lost like family members. And but yeah, so and then if just if anything, you, the rules are like your project can get shut down, especially if you're not doing what you're supposed to do. And then because uh, yeah, because it used to be, I would have to check now, but it used to be where if like so many people got covid like your whole project had was just like done because you weren't being compliant and then you'd have to probably pick it up some other time you know and if you got a 14-day shoot and your cast and your director or whatever gets it well that's i mean that's you know 14 days you're gonna have to just chill out or 10 days like that's that's the rest of your shoot you know your your project's over so doing what's safe and keeping yourself safe for those projects that are you know Whatever, well, any time, it doesn't matter how long it is, whether it's, you know, 10 days or 21. If you're out for 10 days and you're a cast member or a director, you've just killed your your project. Tell me some uh, horror stories uh, on set of, let's say, directors that, you know, are not as organized, um, maybe not as prepared uh, or give me uh, ones that have worked really well who have come prepared and, and or a slice of both. So I no without naming without naming yeah, any yeah. names. No, I, I would never do that. I mean, I'm sure I have my moments too. Um, 
So I, well, just like I said, this this one person is becoming a first AD. She's she's doing her first feature right now as an AD. It's great. But I told her one thing is, um, one, dealing with directors and DPs and actors is you really have to check your ego. Um, because sometimes it is just, it's ego fest 2022 on set, you know, and yeah, because everybody wants to be that great star and that super whatever. And and you got to sometimes just be like, okay. Um, and there's been some nightmares. Um, that So as a director, your first AD is one of your biggest things that you should be leaning on to make sure you can happen. And there's been directors out there that um, I have tried to help and help and there was one that all of a sudden I'm just trying to like help her. And next thing you know, I was being told I was a chauvinistic male son of a gun. And I'm just like, I'm trying to make your day happen. Like, what are you talking about? Like, you know, and so like, and that's all about like, you know, and when things start and as an AD, you have to remember like when things start failing because a non-union, a lot of times people will just start thinking that they can do whatever and it's just going to happen. It's magic is going to happen and it's not. There's so much stuff that goes into making your day. And um, yeah, it's just as a director or a producer or whatever, you just have to know that like your AD is, is your right hand man and you got to listen to him. Like when, when an AD says, hey, you know, you're halfway through your scene and you ain't got but 30 minutes left. You need to be like, oh shit, I don't have an hour because I got to do more scenes. And there's some, I've been, had directors at, like, I'm like, look, we, I mean, we literally have to leave in 20 minutes, so we have to be done right now. And they're just, you know, and then they'll go off and they'll just start calling me every name in the book. And I'm like, uh, well, you need to talk to your producer because he said we are, we're out of here at one and it's 12 o'clock. So you got two more scenes. Like, I've been trying to get you to do your, you know, get done. You know, so yeah, so as a director, you need to really, like, if your AD says, hey, you know, the scene really needs to be done an hour because we have X, Y, and Z to, to do today, you need to really try to figure out, okay, what scenes or what kind of setups do I really need for this scene to happen? Um, now, if you have, like, 20-some days and you can do four pages a day, that allows you to do so much more. You could have 30 setups for each scene. But when you have like 10 days and you're doing like 10 pages a day, um, yeah, you got to just be like, okay, I I know I need my wide and my coverage and then we got to move on. You know, or if it's just like a like a little insert one eighth page and it's just like we just need the, the sign on the side of the road. Don't make that an hour long thing because you're going to drive your AD crazy. Like get your shot and move on. Like you don't have time to. You know, and then if you have company moves. So, yeah, so I just, uh, but yeah, and then directors just not listening to your ADs. That's the, like, that's my biggest, like, I'm, I'm losing hair because of it. <laughs> You're losing hair. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I can understand that. And, and I think, uh, I think the issue is, Maybe the directors feel that if they lean on their first AD, that they're somehow losing power on set. And I and I want to say to those listening in, it's not about 
it's not about having the power, it's about utilizing the experts. And if you have an AD who is trained and is there to help facilitate you make facilitating you in getting your page count done and your film shot so you have something to edit, then lean on the first AD and don't fight against the first AD. Yeah, I mean, I'm at your your AD is there to make it to where you can get everything done. Um, and, you know, so, and that's something too, like going into the, you know, the schedule, you know, if, especially if you, oh, and talking about nightmare, um, oh my gosh, this just happened too. Um, you know, if you know, if there's going to be like 45 minutes that it's going to be like to change like wardrobe and like do all this kind of stuff. But if you don't let your, like your AD know that, okay, they're going to get in this costume, um, and it's going to take 45 minutes. That's you need to let your AD also know these things because they need to figure out a schedule to make that happen for you. Because I'll just take something that just happened um, on set. Uh, this was last week. Uh, it was halfway. The ha- lunch had already happened. Um, she was going into a scene, and right before she goes into the scene, the director says, "Oh yeah, it's going to take. You know, we're going to do you know half of it." And then the other half, when she becomes, you know, this vampire, um, it's going to be more than just, you know, like the little slide-in fangs, which that was, that's a whole other nightmare. He's like, it's got to be the whole, like, Nosferatu look. So no hair, this skull cap. He's like, oh, yeah, and that's going to be a 45-minute, you know, wait. And you got to let, like, your 80s know because now that's 45 minutes that's gone from your day. That if you would have, you know let your AD and that's something for your AD also your AD should be asking these things too but uh like you could go shoot like you know a small scene but you could schedule something that's tiny and while you're waiting like go shoot and as a director don't be like no I'm just gonna wait like if your AD gives you like an option like hey we got 45 minutes we can go shoot this really small scene that we have set you know or let's do you know you have some inserts like we don't need her, like, can we shoot this one person since they're going to be by themselves? And, you know, it's just, you know, like, let your AD, like, figure out something to do in that 45 minutes. And don't be like, no, we're going to wait for this person. Like, let your AD do the job and make, there's so many shots that you could do waiting on someone. If you don't need that person for, like, a shot that's, like, a coverage for the other person, I mean, you can, if anything, you could have, like, a stand-in so that way you can have your eye line. And then, like, shoot. So, yeah. So, like, popping, like, little, like, surprise onto your AD is not good. Like, if you, especially, I mean, your AD should be asking, like, hey, is there anything going on with these scenes? But, like, she did. And then it just, they were just, they didn't tell her. And that really can screw. And they lost, like, three scenes. Um, They had three actors that came and didn't do one shot at all. And then since they since it just screwed everything up and it actually took more than an hour, everyone that was supposed to do like the opposite like view, like after she became a vampire, everything just got all screwed up and they lost half their scene. So communication, communication is key. And when you're as a director, you should be communicating, especially if you know that you want really cool, like special things like a whole like crazy costume change. Or if all of a sudden you're going to like, oh, well, we got to do this or this, like tell your AD because your AD cannot read minds. And he's thinking like, okay, this and, 
great. They're going to put in some fangs and great, you know, and then if you. That's good. That's good. That's great advice. But what is your final words to the young filmmakers, first time filmmakers um, out there that you can leave as your as your parting parting gift? I would say, especially as a director and producers, remember to everyone there is to have a great time and to shoot something and don't there's so many things can go on wrong on set so have a thick skin don't let things bog you down and instead of taking so much time to like try to figure something out just be like okay how do we figure it out great that's our best option let's go and do it instead of having a 20 minute conversation about it um i mean if you can um and then just have fun i mean this is what we're here to make movie magic and to create these worlds and have an AD let you give, or he, AD is going to try to give you all the time in the world for you as a director to, to do that. And you should rely on him. And then, you know, yeah, I guess, I mean, there's so much more too. like every scene is different. Like I could go on for three hours about this stuff. Well, give me your last uh, dirty little secret of Hollywood that you wish somebody had told you that, you've learned along the, your travels there's going to be times where you're not going to be working so don't be a dumb dumb and blow your money because there's i mean you might be working for a year and be like great and then all of a sudden it's going to be five months and you're not going to be working and then you're going to be like oh where am i going to live um so being fiscal with your money is it's good. I mean, I've always been, but that's the one thing that I've learned. Yeah, because I mean, I'll have, I'll maybe even have windows of like three months where I'm like, ooh, like I better get another job, or well, I better get another job in film. It's time to you know work. So yeah, and just love what you do. Good, good, and love what you do. I, uh, you know, people forget we're in to make magic. So let's have fun on set and make magic and not be uh, doo-doos on set, mean, nasty human beings. Let's have a pleasant experience. I want to thank uh, Jacob for uh, joining us. Uh, he, <laughs> If you want to uh, reach Jacob, shout out your socials for the uh, audience listening in. Oh, well, I got a Twitter and an Instagram. It's all Jacob Roshinsky. Um, and then, I mean, I don't, and that's spelled R A C H I N S K I. Yeah. I mean, I'm gladly to talk to anyone, you know, if they want to, you know, really figure out their project before they get a first AD. Yeah. I'd be happy to. There you go. There you go. So reach out and, uh, and share the love with Jacob. Thank you so much. Uh, make sure to, um, pass us on to others that may be interested in learning about uh, film and television and don't forget to rate us on uh, any of the podcast platforms you're listening to best and fast i want to thank you all and best and fast we're out